1: for our own recovery, as well as our clients.
0: We tend to cover obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. There's also a Q&A at the end. If you would like, you can join us in the future. We meet on Mondays at 1230 Pacific time on Instagram live.
1: And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD.
0: Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only.
1: So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello. Oh, hi. Stranger. 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 Hello, okay. stranger. Happy OCD Awareness Week. Happy
0: OCD Awareness Week, everybody. Um, so today we're here to talk about what real OCD looks like and what it is. Because that's what this week is all about—is raising awareness
1: yes, and uh,
0: breaking stigma. Punch that stigma right in the face. It's our favorite thing to do—is punching stigma. I mean, yeah, yeah pretty it's the much. aggressive way. That's the aggressive way. Go I like ahead. that
1: we get hearts when we say that. It's so good. <laughs> so. So,
0: and if you have any questions, we did get some questions prior to, please throw them in the little question mark icon to the right of the comments bar.
1: So somebody had mentioned that we should probably talk about it. Is, you wanna? um, yeah, somebody asked if they should, uh, be part of the, these, this OCD trial for, for Biohaven and... Yeah, yeah. So maybe
0: we address that out the gate.
1: Yeah. Cause it was mentioned twice. Aha. Uh-huh. So
0: yes. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, I'm just going to throw it out there. Neither of us can make any sort of a comment on anything to do with medication actually. Um, so there's that first and foremost, we're, we're therapists. So in any context, we don't, we don't talk about that. I mean, we're not here as As therapists, we're here as advocates really in our but obviously we we keep a wide berth with that.
1: That being said,
0: or do you want to take it from there?
1: No, sorry, I was doing housekeeping with some Mm -hmm. people. Um, so I wasn't fully paying attention. But yeah, I mean the, the commercial that we did was really the advocacy work and supporting awareness around OCD and um Ethan Smith, who is the, um, the lead advocate, the, 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 yeah, Uh the trailblazer for all of us. And the spokesperson for IOCDF was in charge of this project. And he is an incredible person is all I can say about that. And he wanted to make sure that biohaven represented folks who really do have OCD and that, um, it represented accurately what O C D is because this is the first ever commercial for O C D. Yeah. So it airs today. And- yeah.
0: And and I think yeah, so and so we did this we did this commercial. Well Kelly's actually I'm I'm not the I don't know, I think there might be multiple, but we'll see. Yes, but there are. But there's also, this is all about an advocacy campaign to support OCD awareness. And like Kelly said, it's the first commercial that exists on a national scale about OCD, uh, to our knowledge anyway. And that was based on Ethan's knowledge, which should be pretty thorough. but this this brings us back to what people have been uh, saying in in the the feed, which is should I take part in a clinical trial? And right. we that's... really can't comment on what you should do. That's a question for your doctor. And um, so yeah, I I think that that's that's kind of the the long of the short of it is that we really can't say. And the the reason I think that we both decided to, you know, do this commercial was really to just support the awareness, right? Not, it's got nothing. We're, we're, um, yeah. We, although it's not I will say, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not about, it's, it's, it's clinical about, trials and that's the and other research. Thing. Yeah. So, um, the the commercial is to to support awareness and what biohaven is doing is running a commercial or, or running oh my gosh words are so hard a clinical trial um mm-hmm. for a drug for OCD and so that's something that again you should talk to your doctor about if that's something that you're interested in. but um it's yeah. sort of a, a separate to this this is really just about spreading awareness which is perfect for this OCD awareness week, the Monday of OCD awareness week. So there you
1: go. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, on their website, there's actually a bunch of advocates where we all share our stories, including Lauren and I Mm -hmm. and some other people that you probably already know in our community. And yes, Mm -hmm. it will be nationwide and it's starting today. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you go to their website, you can hear everybody's stories. They're about 10 minutes each. And yeah, so that kind of also inspired Lauren and I to talk a little bit about our story. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, that's what we're doing here today. So um, where shall
1: we begin? Well, maybe at what age, I guess, we were diagnosed. Yeah.
0: Uh, Somebody said the, uh, sorry, uh, the IOCDF website. I'm not sure what the question is, but I did catch that. Oh, where
1: to find it? It's BioHaven's <gasps> oh. website. Yes. So BioHaven's if you website. go to my stories, you'll see a link at their Instagram account. Yeah. But, but
0: the campaign really focuses on what ifs, which, uh, you know, if I knew, if, if my mom was told when I was seven years old that, that what ifs were common, like what if questions and getting sort of fixated on trying to resolve them was a part of OCD, it wouldn't have taken me 17 years to get appropriate diagnosis and treatment. And, um, I mean, I know for you, it was even longer than that, right?
1: Yeah. I think there I said 26, but I stand corrected. It was 28. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would have changed for my family, just based on our dynamics, but it, but as an adult, if I would have heard heard the what ifs, I would go, holy cow, because it actually didn't even occur to me that I was running down the right path until I started working with at for Tom at Tom the University Center yeah. as a um, client coordinator, and he said, go home and read the website and tell me what you think. And I was inclined to do it because my grandfather had OCD and I, I went home, I read it and I was like, holy shit, this is the missing, this is all, this is the thing. And I went to my therapist who's at the time treating my PTSD and doing exposure work. And she was already at that point tipping my toes into or dipping my toes into uncertainty. And I know every time we bumped up against it and she'd do like this pie graph, I remember it so vividly. Mm. And I, like just that would get me so huh, mm. intensely. And yeah, so.
0: Well, like, well, can I ask what the what the pie chart was about? Because that sounds really interesting and like helpful maybe right. is it, or is that too? Um,
1: right, so it was, it was, um yeah, maybe too much, but Yeah. No, that's fair. It was, Sorry. It was it was really around. Pry. No, it's okay. No, it's totally fine. But it's really was around trauma of like this event, this traumatic event that happened to me and whether I played a role in it, which mm. was like this harm related aspect or this moral harm, really. Yeah. Yep. Of like what contributions like I wanted to know was I 100% part of this or not? Like, could I be forgiven for my sins, even though I didn't?
0: So I think the interesting thing, like, and I, what I was, what the reason I was asking is I thought maybe we could talk about it from a perspective. If like, it was talking about uncertainty, like I can imagine that anyone could look at, well, it's probably this, this chance that it's not, that my fear is not going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's always gonna be the sliver of the
1: pie, yeah, that, that was what that's what it was. It yeah. was like I remember Julie, she's great,, mm. saved my life, but yeah. she, she said to me, "We're never gonna know, and I was like, Oh, my God, it was like getting punched in the throat, man,, mm. but she's absolutely right, and then, yeah. That's, that's yeah. my story.
0: Yeah. Wow. I, I love, I love the, how guttural that is that it was like getting punched in the throat. Like I remember the do first remember time. That,
1: that yeah, uh-huh.
0: yeah, I do. So, I mean, not to skip around too much, but I remember no. in my own story when I was finally diagnosed and treated for OCD and my therapist was like, we're not going to try and figure this out. I'm like,
1: The fuck we aren't.
0: What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing that I want to do in life is figure this out. Like that's the only thing that's going to make everything okay. Yeah. And, and that was devastating. Like it was, it was like the initial, it was like getting kicked in the stomach. That's uh, it. like, uh, what? Um, yeah. And I, I think probably, I imagine a lot of people here, uh, for those who are also struggling with o c d or you know they probably can relate to that too it's like no,
1: uh, you're, t-
0: you're taking away the solution stop <laughs> don't do that,
1: yeah, how dare you yeah that's the thing um. is it's
0: like there's always the promise of the solution,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: the second that it's like we're just gonna accept that we don't know if you you know, and for me, I've been open about this too like. We don't know if you really relapsed on that piece of tiramisu, you know, that, that, yeah, I don't know The the, just making the choice not to, to go any further with it, with it was not, I did not like that.
1: Sam, I am, but (laughs) I do not like the green eggs and ham. Okay. So, but that's the reality though, right? Like that's, that's yes. the truth. Is like there yes. is. It's gray. It's like there. It isn't black and white. It's like yeah, part of it is, and some of it isn't. So just mm. whatever we want to do, let's just go in that direction. So yeah, just accept the middle road, right? So for me, it's like I've accepted that I'm. You know, I'm not. Of course, I'm harming my child emotionally because that's where my OCD has stayed and. Likely will always stay at a hovering pace, but that's manageable. <clears throat> but I think once I've accepted, K, okay, probably doing that, but it's unlikely that it's this, you know, that yeah. I'm actually harming her because there would be like the rationality piece of it is like, we won't ever really know, but it's possible. It, of course I am. harming her yeah yeah like how do you not go unscathed yeah in your life and also with like this moral aspect you can't really you can't really measure it like what your moral yeah like what the implications are so yeah
0: no like that's the thing is that and you're right. And in addition to, you know, on your side, not, not being able to know for sure, right. And, the, and actually knowing like, of course, like if there's alcohol in something it, like it's in there, right. Like that was never a question, right. Yes, it was that, exactly. is this, what does this mean? Right. And that's, I think that that's where, it, it, yeah. OCD as, as many of us talk about hooks on to one thing, that has maybe even a flavor of reality to it and runs with it. Yep. And so sure then does. it can come up with all of these arguments like, Oh, but you know, but it wasn't 100% alcohol free. So that means that what does what does that mean? Right. Instead of it, it, it's not something where you like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's the doubting disorder. It'll always yeah. pick up something. <laughs> Undoubtedly <laughs> yeah. it does. Undoubtedly. So, um, in but terms yeah. of just to, to offer a little bit more of a linear perspective to my story, I guess, since that's what we're here to talk about.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, so first symptoms started when I was about seven and when they started, it was mostly around fear of death right so i was really really scared about me dying about my parents dying about but it was a lot about what happens in the afterlife and like will i go to heaven and what if i don't go to heaven and what would that be like and will i be right so that's that's where my first manifestation came up um and yeah i don't know if should i should i share how old, more
1: how old were you 7 7ish oh. yeah yeah. You know, my daughter's age. Little G. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. See. And it's I think it's quite common actually. Um for yeah. kids to have thoughts about that. It's almost the baseline uncertainty, isn't it?
1: Um, sure. I think it's more like are your parents gonna die like the parents, the parental, right? Like the right are they oh, we're dying, like they're gonna die. You're gonna die one day. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, but, but I don't con- know about
1: the afterlife at seven. That's like a – that's definitely like high octane. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I took uh, it to the next level. But yeah. I, you're Shit. welcome. I know. My this poor sucks. mother, she's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? She's uh, like, I've never thought about this. Yeah, no, uh, I'm should, kidding. I, should I be concerned? it's <laughs> um, <you know, laughs> true though. Um, So, yeah, I,
1: I think that – um, where was I? So, so then after that, I know you got you tried a lot of different treatment, but you took a I while for it to get
0: to I did. I did. T- try a lot of different treatments, and I had a lot of different things pop up throughout my life. You know, um. So I, so the the concerns, but oh, I know what I was going to say. I think that the thing is, my point is that like that that uncertainty that comes up for so many in the course of, of OCD, uh, about death, about parents dying, about ourselves dying, or if you're me and high octane, you know, whether or not you're going to like the afterlife, um, that I, I think that fundamental uncertainty does come up for a lot of people. Yeah. And this is where going through treatment can be really helpful because it can help you to explore and accept all of the uncertainty that there is. And today I would say when I, when I did get, cause I, I found a therapist who I, you know, she didn't specialize in OCD, not to my knowledge anyway, but she finally was like, well, where were you five years before you were born? Right. I'm like, I don't know. lady. Should I be worried about that? <laughs> I'm like, what are you getting at? And then she's like, well, where will you be? And oh no, she said, well, you be, were you okay then? And I said, yeah, I, I guess. And then she said, well, where will you be five after you, five years after you die? And she said, and I said, I have no idea. And then she said, asked the same question. I'm really talking is not my strong suit today, no, but this is you good. get where I'm going. It's for, actually helping for... me a little. <laughs> really? Well, that's good. Um, so yeah, it was it was really interesting to me and it it helped me to accept uncertainty. Looking back, that's exactly what she was doing. She yeah, was like, well, was. we all we know is this. So, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see. It. Yeah, may, maybe maybe not. I mean, she was giving me a little bit of reassurance I guess too, but whatever. Um, ultimately, I mean- it helped me stop trying to answer the question. Yeah. There you go. And and I did for a long time, but I, I do think that that's where this treatment can be so helpful because it took me a long time before I was as accepting of uncertainty around death as I am today. But I think it's all of the work that I've done around this.
1: Yeah, for Sure. But
0: don't get me wrong, I still get a little bit of like a mm, when sometimes when I say things like well maybe oh, yeah. I won't you know maybe I won't like the afterlife and infinity is a long time. Like it still gets me sometimes. I'm like it's mm. like your
1: bread and butter. Yeah, it is. Well, so mine started as separation anxiety which is around death too, right? It's like and is this the last time I'm going to see my grandfather who is, you know, my grandparents' were a huge part of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you know, the ultimate exposure happened when he actually did die and we were very, very close and I was there and part of that. And it definitely spun me in this existential vortex for months. And, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's such an intense experience. I feel like people with OCD experience emotions 10 knots higher than the average person. Do you agree? I, yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: and I think it's not just OCD. I think like people with generalized anxiety, anxiety disorder, people with, right? Like, yeah, I think that there are a subsect of individuals who just feel things probably more intensely, although we'll never be able to know because it's not like you can actually test that. Um, it's right. all based on self-report. So subjectively, maybe <laughs> you're experiencing something more intensely, but I don't know, true. maybe somebody else's constitution is just different. But anyway, that's like a true, whole true. philosophical uh rabbit hole <laughs> that you know we could go down or not. Um but yeah, I yeah, go ahead. You were saying.
1: Um no, I forgot oh, so that that happened and then I think that that was similar to like what's the afterlife. Cause I just saw this person die and I was like, they're gone now. Mm. Like they're just gone. Like I'm looking at them and there's nothing like, yeah, we, they're gone. Like it right. just, so your seven year old version, it took me like 25 years to get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was advanced. What you I were say? quite advanced <laughs> by 25 years. On yeah, me. Um, it was. I mean,
0: in fairness, I, it was around the death of somebody else. Like I had an aunt who died that, that, that gen- generated all of the thought, you know, or was dying. Um, Got it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably quite common. Yeah, so, but it morphed and changed over time. Yeah, and it always does. Taste does. the rainbow, baby. Taste the rainbow. Um, and I, I think the other. Yeah. The other big part of my story that I I talk about is when I, I had my experience with, with fears around relapse. Uh, I got into recovery when I was 19 and then somewhere around 22, I want to say 21, I started ruminating like a mad woman, um, Mm. about whether or not I had relapsed by eating a piece of cake. And it wasn't even, it was a, a memory, right? Like I had been, I think a year or two since I'd eaten the piece of tiramisu when I started, uh, compulsively trying to find an answer.
1: Um, I guess I didn't realize that part of the story.
0: Yeah. I mean, I initially did. And then I called my sponsor and she's like, you're fine. And I was like, of course I'm fine. (laughs) Naturally.
1: (laughs) And then everything's fine. And then a
0: couple of years later, I was like, but what if, you know?
1: Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And the other shoe drops. There it is. Kablooey.
0: Kablooey.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that was a couple of years of my life. Right. It's really a trip, though, being in a place where you can talk so openly about this stuff. I have to say... For anyone who's watching who thinks, "Oh my god, I could never like never talk about this." I was convinced for a long time that I would never be able to like have a substantial relationship because who in the world would understand or love somebody who would be afraid that they rel- relapsed on a piece of cake and think about it nonstop for 2 years. Like that was my thought process and it's I look back on that now and I'm like, well, oh, she could she couldn't have been more wrong.
1: But I know. But that's, that's the secondary part of OCD. It's that second arrow. Right? Damn shame, man. Oh, that's yeah. heavy, dude. I love you.
0: Aw, I love you too. So much. And we appreciate um I think Krista was saying, um, thank you ladies for being vulnerable. It's sad that opening oneself up. Can open doors for someone to cr- criticize. Oh, well, Thank and you. we are both beautiful Queens. She says likewise. <laughs> um, very
1: much. Thank you for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's really important. I think understanding that pretty much everyone has imposter syndrome, I think. Well, I don't, I don't know that I've ever met anyone without, you know what I mean? Like that, That you're not that that you're hiding the thing that's going to keep everyone from from loving you or even liking you,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah, Wait till they find out. Any day now, they're gonna (laughs) all find out. I've duped Lauren, even you guys. I swear. (laughs) Every time I'm like, oh man, is she gonna figure out that I'm really not normal? That you're
0: really extraordinary? Yeah. No, -hmm. but that's the thing, right? Like, and I. I've done the same thing with you. And I know my husband used to say like, you're going to find out, you're going to find out someday. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like that's just, this is what it is to be a human being.
1: I still think about every time working at the OCD center, when my phone would ring and it would show like our boss's number, I'd be like, (laughs) Oh my God, he's going to fire me. Today's the day. Today's the day. I'm going to lose my job. It's happening. It's and the anxiety, right just sweat pouring down my face. It's like he figured it out. He figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: I remember. I remember that too. Yeah. Especially early on. As time went on, I was we like, a, really a duked bit, him." Then I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Because he kept <laughs> me around for a while.
1: Yeah. Okay. But what
0: What else about your story do you want to share, friend?
1: Well, I know we're on a time limit, so. Mm-hmm. um, yeah it's just it just evolved as I got pregnant and then after pregnancy it like just jumped around right like contamination existential physical harm always like with her head, the head popping experience was mm. intense the visuals but then it the tried and true was like you're morally harming her, mm. which is like you don't you're putting your attachment isn't good enough. You're not mirroring her well enough. You're not validating her. You can't read her cues. She doesn't, she feels neglected and you don't even know it. Mm. Yeah. freaking
0: So rude. So rude OCD. But that Come was really on.
1: that I, you know, at that point I, um, really did a lot of my own work because I was already immersed in the work and I had help from a therapist, an OCD specialist who really Mm. uh, took it to the next level for me. And, but ultimately accepting that my brain, hearing that again of like, not just the, we have to accept uncertainty, but like, you have to accept that your mind's always going to do this. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you're going to have a horrible life. But that you can bring it with you, and it can be managed, and you can choose to respond to it differently. So you can buy the shit it's selling, or you can just say, "Oh, thank you for the offer." Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying today. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'll pass.
0: That reminds me, actually, weirdly enough, do you ever see the movie as good as it, as good as it gets? Oh yeah. Okay. So Melvin Udall, right, who's mm-hmm. played by Jack Nicholson. Um, as OCD. And I don't even remember what he's talking about, but at at one point he says like, we're not buying any here today. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Like, I think it's that movie anyway. Probably. I
1: haven't seen it in a minute, but yeah. Yeah. Channeling it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my story. That's the end of my story guys. I think accepting
0: like, and and that's something that has come up in my recovery as well is the obsessing about compulsing and obsessing about obsessing and the, like sort of the treatment related obsessions. Am I doing this right? Yes. Will it always be this way? Yeah. Uh, the fixation, the emotional checking. So that is one that comes up for a lot of people, I think. And You know, as yours. (laughs) It is. It's the worst. It's all sticky. I mean, they're all the worst. But I think the simplicity of coming back to what's actually happening in the here and now and getting out of whatever it is you're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. um, is is really key. And yeah, I think just sort of rounding out. Because it's interesting, your jo- your journey started with separation anxiety, and I think what I've noticed my like my anxiety do over the years has has really shifted. Well, that's not even true. It's not even true that it's shifted because I mm-hmm. think honestly, like looking back, I can see it permeating my whole life as this like social anxiety piece. And mm-hmm. there's so much overlap. It's just I don't think of them really as. Different, um, mm-hmm. because it's all about the same thing: having thoughts. You know, what if they're thinking this about me? What if I biffed that? What if they hate me? What if I hurt them? Kind of getting into the moral scrupulosity. We talk about right. the, constri- the concentric circles all the time and how they overlap. Totally. But, um, and and I think that it's the same concept in terms of recovery. It's I have no idea ultimately I don't, right? Like I can. Well, right. It's that's the truth in all. Of it. <laughs> this is the truth. Like, I mean, I hope, I we hope we don't know people... if we harm
1: someone. We don't know if we're yeah if people like us. We don't know. I mean, obviously some people don't like us because we yeah. deal with it. Really. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah.
0: For those of you who are listening in. Yeah. We, we have a, a friend who visits us on, on the profile that you may have heard about in previous episodes on the, on the lives on Instagram and yeah. No, it is. It's like an external manifestation. It's good. It's good exposure. See, it's the timing. Excellent exposure. Fantastic. I love we it. We love exposure so Exposures much. Exposures are my absolute favorite. But
1: we won't put up with bullying. So no. goodbye, sir. <laughs> um,
0: Not that we hate. We hate giving any more attention to this, uh, you know, whole thing. But I just, you know,
1: for whatever it's worth. Um. Go. Someone asked about uh, getting help around alcohol recovery and OCD, which yes. you want to yep. take it away. I do. So, um,
0: there are several clinicians who do treat the co-occurrence. If you need referrals, you can direct message me and I'll do my, my best. I mean, it's not in all of the States, but, um, for so there are outpatient providers who are sort of focused in that realm. In addition, there is the Foglia Family Foundation and uh, Dr. Pat- Patrick McGrath, who is now the uh, clinical director of NOCD, started that, uh, yeah, some time ago. And it it's the only facility in, in the, the country that treats both OCD and substance use disorder concurrently. Um, but yeah, really important. a yeah. um, lot of of coherence there. So
1: yeah, very important. We got a yeah. lot of
0: work to do, Lauren. Okay. Lots of work
1: <laughs> never ends,
0: my friend. Never no. ends. Do we have time for a question? We got to pop off. I know we. we kinda, I, yeah, yeah. I think we but. do. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry we yeah. didn't get to questions today. We were too busy, you know, sort of recounting what our our own experiences around this have been, and hopefully it's been helpful in some way. And uh, I hope everyone has a really great week and happy OCD Awareness Week. Happy OCD Awareness Week.
1: TTFN. Adios. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD.
0: If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our
1: message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD.